The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to episode number 90 of the Marine Layer podcast. It's a mailbag episode. We answer some of your guys' questions and we'll close out the show with Speak Your Mind. Your reminder before we start the show, make sure if you're listening to our podcast, you download the episodes, you leave us a five-star review, you follow the show. That really, really does help us out. We always stress it. Make sure to watch on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe over there. Full video podcast is on YouTube. And check us out on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube Shorts, at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network. Recording here on Wednesday, January 3rd, I have a big takeaway from our last episode to open up this show, Lyle. Reading our comments, it was easy to come to this conclusion. Apparently, James Paxton is not Blake Snell. That's news to me. No, he is not Blake Snell. James Paxton has not won two Cy Youngs. But apparently, in the minds of some of our commenters, uh, he is, or no, I'm sorry. He is the exact opposite. In fact, he couldn't be more opposite from Blake Snell. If you ask people in our comments as a pitcher, they actually aren't too dissimilar. No, they're not just they, Blake has Blake has a bit of a higher upside. I'll say, but I'll say that's a big takeaway. It's like where <laughs> obviously you just signed Blake Snell. It's like, yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell us as two people who have been huge Blake Snell proponents all winter. It's just that one costs about 200 million bucks. I'm sure that's what Scott Boris is pushing for with Blake Snell. And James Paxton would cost anywhere from 8 to $12 million. So a little bit of a difference. Again, if it was up to us, we'd say, yep, go sign Blake Snell. Unfortunately, we do not get to make free agent decisions. And... Because this is a mailbag episode, we open the forums to you guys to send us a bunch of questions. We did get some Blake Snell questions. And here's our summary answer before we get into the questions we actually chose out. Lyle and I don't think Blake Snell is signing with the Mariners. Unfortunately, if that was going to happen, it would have happened already. So for the multiple people who asked us if the Mariners are still in on Blake Snell, if they're still in on big free agents... Uh, I'm going to say probably not because it would have happened by now. Big free agents in general, I have no idea. Likelihood is no. But Blake Snell specifically, it's just hard to believe that's going to happen at this point. Because again, everybody knows he wanted to play here. Everybody knew it was his number one destination. So if that was the case and the Mariners also had similar interests, what happened by now? Remember when Blake Snell was at the Apple Cup? He was sounding the siren. He was on the Sunday night or yeah, the Sunday night football broadcast on Thanksgiving. and. Mike Tirico said he wants to play for the Mariners. Well, that was about a month and a half ago now. So if the Mariners were really that interested, they couldn't have, they could have gotten a deal done weeks ago. But we're still sitting here and Blake Snell's a free agent. So it feels like as the days go by, it's it's pretty unlikely. 
it would I would be shocked. I would be floored if they managed to get a deal done. I I don't want Blake Snell to sell himself short. I don't want to because he has earned this. He has hit free agency right after winning a second Cy Young. And usually that means multi-generational wealth for said player. I don't want Blake Snell to forego multi-generational wealth to come to Seattle. As cool as that would be. I don't think that would be a smart business decision on his part. And I think he understands that as well. Otherwise, he would have just come here as like, yep, I'm willing to play for the Mariners for $5 million a year. Like, Blake, what are you doing, dude? What are you doing? <laughs> Instead, he's going to sign for the market rate somewhere else at a team that wants to spend more money than the Mariners has have spent. Do you have anything else? Just that we got a lot of questions okay. about this. And, just, and, and rightfully so. Mariners fans want to see Blake Snell in Seattle. Like we said, we want to see Blake Snell in Seattle. So as a result, we're still getting a lot of questions about it because he's a free agent. But instead of spending a whole five, 10 minutes on one of those questions, we figured we'd just address it right at the beginning. Again, if it was up to TJ and I, he'd be here. But it just feels unlikely at this point. Let's get to our first question of this mailbag episode. This is a fun one to start off, and we're digging deep into the bag. So this is from Spencer McAvoy, I think. Mm-hmm. Not like Tanner McAvoy, but M-C-A-V-O-Y. That, that is how Tanner McAvoy spelled his last name. Oh, it was? Yeah. What? Wow, that was way too long ago for me to forget. Try to forget those, uh, those times. Anyways, <laughs> Spencer asks, how, how excited should the Mariners fan base be for presumptive class of 2024 international sorry for the 2024 international class signee Dewell joseph scouts have compared him to byron buxton which really caught my attention lyle i'll give you the first crack at this so the byron buxton thing is what the report says on mlb pipeline in terms of who you could compare him to as a player just in terms of body type and potential hit tool which again would be amazing except that Sometimes these projections are just best case scenario projections for each guy. Belnine Celestin, who we spent a whole episode on last year, who is the best international prospect the Mariners have ever signed in terms of pedigree, was compared to guys like Francisco Lindor. So that would be great, except that, again, that's best case scenario. Now, Dewell Joseph is the number seven prospect in this international class. That's higher than Julio was ranked when he signed. That's higher than Noel V. Marte was ranked when he signed. So he is a very sought after guy. And this is a big get for the Mariners. It's not as big as Celestine, but it's big. So we talked to Joe Doyle about this because, again, outside of reading just the reports that are out in the public, that's about all you can do for a 16-year-old signee out of the Dominican Republic. So who knows better than our friend Joe Doyle, friend of the pod, we asked him, hey, what do you know? about Dewell Joseph. We're doing a mailbag episode. Do you have a little bit of a synopsis for us? And obviously, he's been tweeting out a bunch about Joseph over the past few months. He's got some threads on him. If you want more detail, you can go check that out. Also, Joe is doing a full podcast this week about Mariners International signees and this current class, which if you want to go check that out from Joe, he does a podcast called the Overslot Podcast. So go check that out because he's going to give a very, very in-depth report on Dewell Joseph. But What we can tell you here, he is a very good athlete. He has a chance to stick at shortstop. And if he does not stick at short, he has the ability to play center field and play the outfield. So one way or another, his athleticism will be used to the Mariners' benefit. And in terms of the hit tool, yes, he has power. There is is real projected power in that bat of Joseph. 
Now, it's going to take a little bit of time to see what type of power that really is and what the hit tool in total really is. But this is an exciting prospect. Good athlete, could play the infield, could play the outfield, and has the potential to hit for some real power. So that is Dewell Joseph. So what Joe told us specifically, you know, he he's mentioning power speed guy, projects. He has him projected right there in the 7 to 10 range where you said he's ranked number 7 on MLB Pipeline, and that's where Joe has him as well in that range. Uh, and he says most uh, am- scouting directors will put him around there. Time will tell on the hit tool. If he outgrows shortstop, he goes to center field. Those are words directly from Joe Doyle. And he also, again, had a couple of tweets about him. You can go dig on Joe's Twitter timeline, but did mention, you know, one of the top top five to eight prospects in this 2024 class, 70 grade runner, above average power. Bat speed has really picked up as he's grown out. Power speed guy. He could move to center field if he outgrows shortstop. And his projections right now at 16, 62, 170, uh, 175. He's got a 55 hit tool, 50 power, 55 run, 50 arm, 55 field. So that's uh, that's a bunch of pluses across the board there. Hit, power, and speed, as well as playing good defense in the field. That's an exciting player. I mean, look at listen to all those grades you just rattled off. Those are really good grades. And again. He's 16. There's a lot of time between now and when he'd eventually hit the big league. So we'll see how he develops over time. But this is an exciting signing. And you know what? The reason TJ and I said, you know what? Let's ask Joe about this is because him and I, TJ and I could sit and read you what Pipeline has on him and the very little bit on him that's sprinkled out there. But as two people who obviously have never seen this 16 year old play a game of baseball because none of his games down in the DR have really been broadcasted out to the public, he hasn't played stateside yet. We're not going to try and pretend we know everything about Dewell Joseph other than the Mariners signed a very highly ranked international prospect who has some upside. So we said, you know what? Joe knows this stuff really well. Let's ask him. So per Joe Doyle, friend of the pod, we're going to see how he pans out over time, but there's reason to be excited here. And on that episode of the Overslot that Joe, by the time this this episode comes out, his episode will be released. He's not only going to talk about Dewell Joseph, he's going to have nine other names in that Mariners international class that he wants to highlight so if you want to learn a little bit more beyond Dewell Joseph as well Joe insists that you come listen to his podcast because he really thinks that'll be valuable information for some people that want to know a little bit more about that Joe knows his stuff I mean he really does know his stuff that's why we lean on him we had him on last year to spend a whole episode basically talking about Felnine Celestin with us so he re- yeah and that's and about that's somebody exactly who- a year ago Yeah, and that's somebody who, again, much like Joseph when he signed, Celestine's games were not being broadcasted out there anywhere. So there's not many people that knew about Celestine better than Joe did, for example. So yeah, we're we're really gassing him up here, and for good reason, because he he really knows this stuff. I will say credit to Jerry, by the way, because when a lot of this Mariners core that everybody was talking about at the during the rebuild got up together, Julio, Kirby, Cal, Logan, Kelnick, etc. They have refilled that farm system very well. Like you look at guys, not even just that are starting to get toward the brink of the majors. Again, Harry Ford will probably be in double A this year. Tyler Locklear's in double A. You can sprinkle in some others. But the back end of that farm, or not the back end, but the younger end of that farm system, loaded all of a sudden. You got the three first round picks out of high school from this past year in 23. You got Celestine. You've got DeWell Joseph. You got Lazaro Montez. There's some, you've got, 
if you want to count Gabby Gonzalez and Michael Arroyo on the younger end, like there is exciting guys down there. So the Mariners farm system isn't going away anytime soon. No, it's not. And it's going to be even better after this year. Once a full year of those guys at the lower level of the minors, they actually play a full season of minor league baseball. And I think people are going to be really excited. Celestin, by the way, uh, we did get a question about this as well, wondering like what happened to him. Well, he was hurt most of last year. That's why he didn't play. And he will he is expected to be healthy this season. And then you would expect him to start shooting up prospect boards and people start getting really excited about about that young man right there. And he did get back on the field down in the DR over the fall. So he did get back into some act or it was either the DR or Arizona. He got back on the field in the fall. Yeah, it was a very small sample size, but he did get back. You're right. He did get back and play. Second question here. This is from Ian Huben. I hope I said the last name right. H-O-U-B-E-N. He said, if the M's miss the playoffs in a similar outcome to last year, does anyone get fired? Scott, Jerry, Justin, etc. I will throw this one to you first. This comes down to what the Mariners' goal is, I'll say. What the goal is. And on top of that, what their financial situation is. Because if the Mariners are satisfied with... He says similar outcome to this season, so I'll say, okay, so let's make check all the same boxes. The Mariners win 88 games, check. They draw 2.7 million fans, check. And they have a, a, they have some exciting months. I, I can't say they can repeat the All-Star game because they won't because they don't get to do that every year. But if they have that and Jerry and company pull that off again this season, no, I don't think they're getting fired. Some people might think that Jerry and Scott deserve to get fired, but if the Mariners are who we think they are, and I think we've seen them have quite a bit of patience with Jerry and Scott over the course of this quote-unquote rebuild, then I, I think it's it's just kind of hard to see, right? I, I, I think it is hard to see. Like, Let's remember, Scott and Jerry are, have completed eight years and made one postseason, and their seats aren't even hot. They've gotten flack. They've gotten pressure, but hot seat? Mm, you can argue. Some people might think Jerry was on the hot seat after this season. He certainly shit his pants in this post-game pre- his postseason press conference. But besides that, like hot seat? Not really. So it, I would be I'd be kind of surprised. I, I would be uh, I would be surprised. But then again, this is professional sports. These things do happen, and they do happen after disappointing seasons. So that's my take on this. I just don't think it's going to happen. If this team were to win 65 games this year, then maybe we'd be having a different conversation. And by this year, I mean upcoming in 2024. But if it's a similar result, if they're around the 85 to 88 win total, I just don't see it. I I think the ownership group loves that the farm is always good because they can sell that a lot. I think they love the fact that they now have some exciting young stars on the team. That sells. That gets people to the ballpark. I think they like the fact that they are in the race every year, which pe- which keeps people in tune. Even if there's a lot of people out there that expect more, want more, and I'm not. And again, I think we have all said that Mariners fans deserve a lot more than what they're getting right now. And in, in, and I'm not talking about in terms of management. I just I just mean in terms of winning and investment from ownership. I think fans deserve a lot more, both in free agency, both in commitment from the ownership group, etc. But they're the ones making the decisions. First off, I think Scott very, very much has the respect and trust of his players, which I think goes a long way. And Jerry DePoto, again, I'm not going to say he's perfect. I don't think either of us will, but he is a better GM than the last two guys. And I know the bar is not high, 
But you look at what Bavese and Zarenzik once upon a time did. And now you get to DePoto, who, in spite of not having the best track record with bringing in position players or success in free agency, again, a lot of that stems from ownership. There's a lot he's done well. He's drafted very well. He's developed very well. The farm system's good. He has guys with club control. So if that's what ownership likes and they more are in love with the idea of, well, for a lower budget and a lower payroll, we can just stay within contention. And we know Jerry and Scott do that. Then it's, it's hard to believe they would really make a change. Because here's the thing, if they make a change, you're, they're not going to bring in somebody who's going to push back on payroll a lot. Because if they did that, they wouldn't get the job. Because if you had a GM or a president of baseball ops that was in charge and said, we need a top eight payroll every year, this ownership group would say, next, they'd, they'd show them the door. So I think for a lot of reasons, it may stay the same. If they felt like they wanted someone who could better manage a low payroll, that I might see. It's not even the lack of, it would be a lack of winning. But if they're like, okay. So we see Eric Neander with the Rays and a $70 million payroll regularly win 90-plus games. Well, the Mariners have cracked 90 wins now twice under Jerry DePoto. What if, what if we want someone who can go out there and win 90 games with that? So that's, in turn, not winning enough, in theory, and we want someone that's better on a cheap budget. But that's a, that's a big hypothetical because let's remember... Uh, firing a front office is not free. You know how much buyout money they have to spend on that? That's expensive. Let's remember, the Mariners now own 100% of Root Sports as of three days ago. 100% of Root Sports is all on them. So hiring a new front office, it's not free, and they got a lot more things to spend money on right now. And as long as they're winning 85 to 87 games and making money, and bringing fans into the ballpark, then it's just kind of hard to see. It's hard to see. But I I think that's a good question. It's something to think about. I think people were a little more certain after Jerry's press conference that it was absolute. And I, here on this podcast, said that. I did. I said, if they did not make the playoffs again in 2024, then changes would be made. I said that. But looking at the financial situation they're in, even if, even if you or I think a change should be made, like what would the incentive be of the of the, of the front office if they get what they want? There would be none. There wouldn't. Of It'd the be o- simple. Of the ownership group, you mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Of the ownership group. What? Like, as long as they get what they want out of their business investment, then what's the point? Yeah, it's true. It's just, yeah, again, it's hard for us to say. I think I think that about covers it, and I think just watching how ownership has maneuvered over the last handful of seasons that it just feels like the route they're on. And again, some people may be very frustrated with that. Some people may be very happy with that. It just depends. This fan base is a lot different with a lot of different opinions, but it just seems like from what we've gauged, that's where we stand on it. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Let's get to our next question. This comes from our YouTube comments and Friendly Neighborhood Gentile. What are your top three favorite non-Mariners? This is a more fun one. I like this question. Okay, my three favorite non-Mariners. I had to think long and hard about this. No, I didn't really. You want to guess one? Anybody listening to this podcast, it shouldn't be that hard to guess the first one. Hmm. Is he an Atlanta Brave Oh, he might be an Atlanta Brave. Hmm. Pretty new Atlanta Brave. Hmm. Like, as of the last few weeks in Atlanta Brave. You must have been happy seeing this question. You're like, well, this is easy now because he falls right in the category. Even after he's gone, I can still find excuses to talk about Jared Kelnick. So, yes, he is on my list of favorite non-Mariners. And I will be doing nothing but rooting for him to thrive and make an all-star game with flying colors in 2024 and beyond that. So. That's number one. Manny Machado's number two. I know it's a little dark behind me, and I don't know if anybody's ever noticed, but if you're watching on YouTube, I'm kind of tilting to my right right now. I've had a Manny Machado fathead sitting in my room since I was 14 years old, 15 years old. I was a fan of this guy from the second he came up, even back when he was in the minors. He was, he was one of the first, if not the first prospect I ever really got obsessed with, and I've followed his journey ever since I was in middle school. So I have always been a massive fan of his. I know some people, if you have ever noticed it, would probably be like, well, Lyle, why is there, why is there an Orioles, why is there Orioles memorabilia behind you for a Mariners podcast? Well, 12 years ago or whatever it was, I didn't really think, oh, I'm going to be sitting here doing a Mariners podcast and let me think about what my background decorations would be. So that's number two. Ellie De La Cruz, let me say that again. Ellie De La Cruz is number three. And I've also talked about this on the show. In 2022, I was broadcasting games for the Dayton Dragons. I got to see him in person. And like I have said, that is the best non-major leaguer I have ever seen live on a baseball field. And when we got to see Spencer Torkelson at ASU for three years, but Ellie is pretty unbelievable. And he had his hills and valleys as a rookie, but you're still talking about a guy that could be a 40-40 shortstop. So those are my three. I like your list. I can't say I'm surprised with any of them. I think you did a good job. Let's get to my list. So I have three maybe not so obvious ones to you. I told him you yesterday, so I can't make you guess them. So first up is Bryce Harper. Uh, Like Bryce Harper, 
for he gets so much hate. He gets way too much hate for literally just caring. That's what he does. He cares. He cares about winning. He cares about being great. This dude has been under a microscope since he was 15 years old. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's had cameras in his face. He's had news written about him. He got a Sports Center feature for hitting a ball 570 feet with a metal bat. It has been all Bryce Harper for the last uh, 15 years of his life. It's been longer than that, but uh, longer than 15 years of his life. I don't know the exact number, but it has been a while that Bryce Harper has been in the spotlight, and he has handled it better than just about anybody could. LeBron is the poster child for teenage phenom of, on the cover of Sports Illustrated and exceeding expectations, blowing them out of the water. Is Bryce Harper not right there, too? I mean, this dude is a borderline, if not slam, not slam dunk, if not definitive, Hall of Famer from the production he's had. He has had some of the best offensive seasons. His 2015 season is one of the best offensive seasons in baseball history, period. And he has done it while having all the scrutiny on him, while people have called him a hothead. He's changed teams with free agency, and he's gone on, and he has performed, and not just performed in the regular season. He's performed in the postseason as well, and he is uh, he's just fun. He's fun, so he has to be number one on my list. Just to add on to Harper, oh, I think Harper's absolutely number two on that list behind LeBron in terms of living up to expectations. Because you don't hear bad things off the field about Bryce Harper. You don't hear him ever getting into scuffles about things. Or, or I mean, okay, he's been in fights on the field, but again, he's he's like he's a model dude. What like what do people scrut- like scrutinize him for? The clown question, bro, when he was twenty or twenty one, and again, like being a hothead on the field sometimes. But you're right, like. First off, I'd say he is a Hall of Famer. If he retired today, I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's got two MVPs. That usually does it. And by the way, he's got like 10 years to go in his career. So I have I think we've both done a total 180 on Bryce Harper in the last few years. Because truthfully, he, he used to really piss me off. And not for the reasons that you mentioned. It was because I didn't think he was worthy of all the money he was getting in free agency. You thought he had like Yeah, he had had like multiple one-win seasons two of the last three years. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's about to get 300 plus million bucks. What, like, what is the team doing? And I was totally wrong because since he's gotten to the Phillies, he has not only lived up to that contract, he's exceeded it so far. So I've, I've done very much a 180 on Bryce Harper. Number two for me is Edwin Diaz. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy. That's a pretty easy one. Timmy Trumpets is electric. So perfect combination there. And not as much of a runway there. I just, everyone, I think everyone in, in Mariners land loves Eddie. And then number three I have is Jacob DeGrom. I know he's a Texas Ranger. I love watching that dude pitch. It is unbelievable. I, I like, there are very few pitchers in big league history that has the stuff that Jacob DeGrom does. It's a shame he can't stay healthy. We're talking about a hundred to 102 miles an hour with a fastball and then a 93 mile an hour slider that nobody can hit. And he's got two other pitches, too, that he doesn't even need to throw because he's that good. And pinpoint command. Correct. Yeah. Just a shame he can't stay healthy. In 2021, it was getting to the point where I was going out of my way to go on MLB TV, or yeah, go on MLB TV and tune in to watch every single Jacob DeGrom start. Because what he was doing in 2021 before he got hurt was maybe the most ridiculous half season I'd ever seen out of a pitcher. Guys were not touching Jacob DeGrom. It was 
it was almost unfathomable. And it's a shame that basically since then he's been derailed with injuries. But again, he can be in division all we want, but just appreciate greatness while you see it because guys like him do not come around often. Okay, before we get to our next question, let's take a quick pause and talk to you about our friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85. That's Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. I was just over there yesterday. I was meeting up with some friends, having some drinks. Why? Because it's an awesome place to hang out. There's sports on, there's great food, they have great pizza, and some great happy hour specials. Those are from Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. They include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, and $4 house wine. So you want to go watch some football, some basketball, some hockey, and a couple months baseball when it starts, and go hang out with your friends, and go eat and drink, and have a good time, head over there to Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Question number four. We've got a few more of these to go. Question number four. Okay, this is a very long one. This is from a YouTube commenter who's got a long username, so we're not going to read it, but I will I will read this long tweet here. He said, wanted to throw some trade ideas your way. I think these could help round out the offense. He has given three. Between Seattle and the Cardinals is the first one. The Mariners give Emerson Hancock and Dylan Moore to St. Louis. They get back Brendan Donovan. That's number one. Number two, between Seattle and the Cincinnati Reds, the Mariners would send Matt Brash, Cade Marlowe, Gabby Gonzalez, and Jonathan Classe to Cincinnati. The Mariners would get back TJ Friedel and a little bit of money. He said three to $5 million. The third one he sent was the Mariners send Ty Adcock, Taylor Trammell, and Robert Perez to the Pirates. And in return, they get Connor Joe. So those are three different trades that he's thrown out. They're all with NL Central teams. And we thought we'd talk about them here on the show. Is there any of those three, Tej, that stood out? TJ Friedel's the best of the bunch. And if it would cost the most, because that would be the one where you send Matt Brash. But TJ Friedel plays center field for the Reds. 352 on base percentage, a 116 WRC plus. He's plus in the outfield. Het was worth four and a half wins this season, struck out just 16% of the time. Uh, our friend here says, hey, TJ Friedel, if you trade for him, you could slot him in and hit him number one or number two in this lineup. Uh, eh, maybe. Maybe it would be one. I don't think it would be two if he was going to hit up there. But TJ Friedel is a very valuable Major League Baseball player. And if you're comfortable with replacing Matt Brash and you you trust the Mariners to replace the production. You couldn't replace the stuff, but you could probably replace Matt Brash's production with a different reliever, then this would make your team considerably better. I think, to be honest, when I'm looking at these three trades, he's not suggesting they do just one trade. He's suggesting they do all three of these. And here's why. He's suggesting that when you do all three of these traits, what do you check off? Okay, so Jerry said they need an outfielder and a half this offseason. Well, these three trades bring you one full-time outfielder in TJ Friedel. It brings you the half in Connor Joe, who mashes left-handers, which they could use to platoon with Dom Canzone. And then you'll, of course, have Julio Rodriguez out there as well. But it will also bring bring you an infielder in Brendan Donovan who can play second base and which will shift your platoon from second base to third base on the infield. It really it does solve some issues here and for the combination of these three trades the biggest hit would be Mac Brash. 
So you would also give up Emerson Hancock in these deals. You'd be giving up your top stuff reliever, and you'd be giving up your number one depth arm in your organization. If you're okay trading those guys and you feel confident the Mariners could replace them, then these trades do make your lineup better, and they make your lineup better strategically and just overall good as well because you have full, you're going to get full-time players. I do have to respond to one thing in these trade proposals. I think this is a very, very low sell on Brendan Donovan. I don't think the Cardinals are accepting this trade. I guess it depends on how they view Emerson Hancock, but assuming they do not still view him as the guy that was taken number six overall in 2020, it's hard to imagine they get back Brendan Donovan for that. Now, if it's Bryce Miller, then maybe. That, that could make some real sense, and we've talked about that for months. But it's hard to see Emerson Hancock and Dylan Moore being a package that could get you back Brendan Donovan, a guy who has proven to be a very good big league hitter at a young age. That being said. And $3 million. (laughs) That too. That that would be a little steep. So that all being said, if these were all the trades that were executed, or if we flip Hancock for Miller and execute all these trades, let's play another round of what would the Mariners look like in this scenario? Because we've done it on the last few shows. Let's do it here again. If all three three of these trades were executed, we are talking about, I think JP leads off, Julio's second, Cal Raleigh would be third, Garver would be fourth, Brendan Donovan would be fifth, Ty France would hit sixth, Friedel would hit seventh, Canzone would hit eighth, Rojas would hit ninth. And again, maybe it's not as quite as good as the lineup we threw out on Wednesday's podcast with Paredes and Rosarena in it. That's a competitive lineup. It's a lot deeper. You got some good bats. Friedel's a very good outfielder. It's a lot better than what it currently sets at. And if it were these trades, you'd keep both of your valuable assets in the rotation. Both of them. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have to worry. Well, I, again, in this scenario, I'm saying you might have to make it Bryce Miller. In, 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 the, scenario, in the scenario he gave us, yes, you'd keep both Miller and Wu. Mm-hmm. I'm saying if we modify it a little bit, assuming that it would probably cost one of the arms to get Donovan, then yeah. Are you okay trading Bryce Miller for just Brendan Donovan? You might need a little more at this point. Again, it, it, like we talked about on Wednesday's pod, if the market for starting pitching is as crazy as it has been and it continues that way, you should get more than that for Brendan, for Brendan Donovan. Six years of Bryce Miller should get you more than that. But, it should. Yeah, but, Brendan Donovan's already 26. Yeah. Right. I don't think it could get you Jordan Walker. I, again, I, I, I have a hard time believing the Cardinals would move away from him, even though it would be an unreal get. Is Dylan Carlson enough to get back with Donovan in that trade? That's another outfielder, although he's had his struggles. Maybe. Give it, giving Miller up, you would get Brendan Donovan and Dylan Carlson. Hypothetically. Is, is that enough? Probably, yeah. Okay. Okay. Then, then yes. So, so, like, so, okay, so if that was the case, again, they get t- very significantly better with these three mm-hmm. trades. And it sure does hurt. You're going to give up Brash and Bryce Miller. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. But in terms of getting better, you're getting better. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I like these traits. I'm glad this person went through the time to think these out. I think, I think these are very good, solid traits. And I think they're realistic, too. Like, entirely. Like, to be honest, like, shout out for the Connor Joe one. 
Like I wasn't even thinking about trading for Connor Joe, but he made the point. Hey, listen, Connor Joe hits lefties really well. He's got a 122 WRC plus against lefties. Throw him in there in the outfield with Dom Canzone. That can be your outfield platoon. And he essentially, Connor Joe probably replaces the role of Dylan Moore in the outfield. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, shout out to him for thinking these out. These are well thought out. Again, I would just modify the Hancock trade a little bit because it feels a little bit low, but especially the, the trades as a whole, for the most part, are very well thought out. And the players you're getting back are also well thought out, especially with Friedel. The Mariners and Reds make a lot of trades. Mariners very much need an outfielder. This would make a lot of sense. And all three of these guys do make the team better. Let's get to our next question. Uh, Our next question comes to us from Mitchell Hopkins 9331 on YouTube. The question is, is the AL West the best division in baseball? They haven't lost to any other division in the playoffs in the last two seasons. Lyle, what do you think? They're definitely the the best postseason roster right now. Or sorry, the best postseason division right now. Best regular season division and best overall. There's an argument. I think the three teams at the top have been about as competitive as any in baseball between the Astros, the Rangers, and the Mariners. We saw how close all three of those teams were neck and neck at the end of the year. But I think there's an argument for both Eastern divisions as well. I think the AL East absolutely has an argument because all all five of those teams have been pretty competitive, especially the first four over the last couple of years with the Orioles, Yankees, Blue Jays, and Rays. And the NL East, Phillies have gotten to the World Series. The Braves are juggernauts. Marlins were in the playoffs this past year. Mets were in the playoffs last year. It's close. There, there's, an, there's an argument for a couple of divisions. I do think the AL West has a very good one. What hurts it is the Angels and the A's. Let's blame the A's. I'm comfortable just blaming the, this all on the A's. So the AL East, I'll probably give the crown to in the regular season. I'll say the AL West is the third best regular season division behind the the two Eastern divisions. I, I got, like, we're talking, this person uses the two-year time frame, so okay. Two years ago, the NL East had two 100-game winners and the NL champions. That's hard to beat, even though the AL West had the World Series champion. I think the NL East had an overall better year. This season, they had, again, the NL runner-up this time. They also had the Braves, and then they had the Marlins in the playoffs as well. So that's a, that's a pretty good case for the NL East. And the AL East, again, takes care of itself because they're, they've been very, 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 very good in the regular season the past two years. So I'd say that's my take on that. Um, my tiebreaker ultimately, Lyle, is that the Braves never lose. So final, except in the playoffs. Well, yeah, you can't win the World Series every year. No, they did. They did win it in 2021. To be fair, but it, it it's it's still just pretty unbelievable to me that that team played the way they played in 23 and then lost. But the baseball playoffs are fluky. It's just about who gets hot again. Diamondbacks got hot at the right time. I don't think a single person outside the state of Arizona picked those guys to get to the World Series. No, I don't think so either. But this was a fun question to think about because, again, successful, yes. Best, that's kind of hard to measure. I'll let you read the the next question here in a second, dog. But before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to our friends at Simply Seattle. If you're looking for some new clothes like I am, 
in this new year, we recommend you go over to our friends at Simply Seattle. They've been awesome to us, and you can benefit from that. We have a code, Marine15. You get 15% off your order at simplyseattle.com. They have a full range of gear, Mariners, Seahawks, Huskies, and a national championship on Monday, Kraken, Sonics, etc. So if you're a sports fan of the Pacific Northwest and you're looking for new gear in this new year, go check out our friends at Simply Seattle and use our code MARINE15 for 15% off. Okay, so two questions to go here in the mailbag. We've got one from Chuck7346 on Instagram. He says, thoughts on Cole Young being the heir apparent to J.P. Crawford? My thoughts on this is, well, I think Cole Young is going to be in the big leagues within a year and a half. I don't think he's J.P.'s heir apparent because he's not going to play shortstop. I think Cole Young is going to be a second baseman when he gets to the big leagues. It just seems like that's how it's trending with the we talked to Joe Doyle about it. We talked to some other prospect people about it. It just seems like Cole Young's going to be a second baseman. And that's at no fault of his. I think there are better, there are going to be better shortstops coming up in the organization like Colt Emerson and Felnine Celestin when they get up to Cole Young's level. This is no discount to Cole Young, though, because if Cole Young can hit like this at second base, we're talking about him turning into Marcus Simeon, which is very valuable. So we'll 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 take that. Cole Young, though, shout out to this guy. I I personally think he's going to be start the year in Everett, then go to double A this season. But this man mashed a 142 WRC plus at age 20 in high A this year and walked nearly 15% of the time. He's almost ready for that double A level, and he has proven to be the bat they drafted in that draft. Just an excellent signing by Jerry, and he has proven them right over his first full minor league season. I'm going to give a semi-hot take right now. I don't even think it's that hot, but I'm going to throw it out there. I think there's an outside chance. I'm not locking it in. Again, do not use these words against me, but I think there is an outside chance we could see Cole Young in the majors at some point in 2024. Maybe the end of the year. It may not be till September, but if he's hitting that well and the Mariners are in a playoff race and they feel like his back could be of some reinforcement, I think there's a shot. I also think there's a chance he starts the year in Arkansas. I wouldn't lock that in either. With only with less than 50 games played in Everett last year, he may go back to Everett to start the year. But if that's the case, I don't think he's going to be there long. I This is just an example I've thought of. But you remember how Jackson Holiday had a few great games in A-ball and they just, they just said, okay, he's too good for this league. Let's move him up. Well, if Cole, if Cole Young goes back to Everett, and for the first 10 to 15 games, he's just lighting the world on fire. That may be all they need to see. They may say at that point, all right, you're going to Arkansas. So if that's the case, and he starts in Arkansas early in the year, and he's hitting for a while down there, it's possible. I'm not banking it. I'm not banking on it. I'm not locking it in. I think there's a chance. Cole Young hit well this past season. Jackson Holiday was unbelievable this okay. past season. There, there's a bit, a bit of a stipulation there. but. Uh, here's here's my one response to this. I just don't think he's going to pass Ryan Bliss this year. I don't see how he passes Ryan Bliss this year. Not after them trading for Bliss. I don't see that. Flat, flat out. I don't. And just to think, I don't know what the plus is of putting a, he'll be 21 this year, a 21-year-old Cole Young 
in the big leagues this year to probably be a below average big leaguer this year? Probably. That's the odds. When you promote a guy this fast, that's what happens. I don't see the benefit of that. Therefore, I could understand the Mariners pumping the brakes and saying, no, sorry, Lyle. Okay, I I think you're already spinning words into my mouth that I did not say. Number one, number one, I used Jackson Holiday as an example. Like, find me where I said Cole Young is Jackson Holiday. It was just the example of you didn't. But since he is not, that is that like that is that is a realistic scenario of teams jumping their prospects up like that for guys like Jackson Holiday. Uh, Like this is at no slight (laughs) to Cole Young, but like. Different tiers. Okay. It was just the example I used of, again, he okay. spent very short time there and moved up. I'm saying if Cole Young goes back to Everett and plays 15 great games, they may say, okay, we've seen enough in a ball from Cole. And I'm also saying, I, I don't think he gets up in June or July. I'm saying if he, if he puts up a 140 WRC plus in Arkansas this year, which would be crazy because we know that high A to double A is the biggest jump. But if he is truly lighting it up this year, I just think there's a chance in September, maybe you see him. And again, I am not locking it in. I'm saying there is a small chance. I'm not banking on it. I'm just saying there's a small chance it could happen. But you said maybe not. You said hot take, not so hot take. What, what was the exact terminology? I, okay, I said semi-hot take. Mm, semi-hot is bigger than a small chance. Okay, well, mm. I think I still said in there small chance. So let me... Final answer, I'm locking it in. Small chance he is up in the big leagues in 2024 if he hits that well. And to, and to the point of the original question, it'd be at second base. I think there's too many shortstops, like you said, down in the lower levels of the system that are probably better shortstops than Cole Young are defensively. So I think Cole Young's going to be playing second base long term. Truthfully, you didn't mention our guy Ty Pete, and I truly believe this. Like He might be the best athlete of all those guys. I mean, you can, you can argue for Celestine, obviously, but I think there's a chance Cole Emerson moves to third at some point. Maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. He may just stick it short, but I think Ty may be the best athlete. And if that's the case, you could use that as a point of argument and say, well, he could play anywhere. You can put him in the outfield. You can put him at third. You can put him at second. But there's also the case of if he's the best athlete and you want your best athletes at short, he stays at short. Mm-hmm. I will so. just say it was Colt playing short in Modesto this year when they were right. all there at the same level. So just food yeah. for thought. However, I think we can sit back here and say, let, let's, let, let, let's let them all reach 20 first and then reevaluate. They got a, they got a little bit to go. Yeah. And, and I'm sure they're all, I'm sure they're all going to get reps at short and maybe it's a little bit at some other positions too. Because again, if, if Colton Ty are going to be playing at levels together, somebody's going to be the priority shortstop. And there is a chance it's Colt Emerson. Obviously he was the higher pick, but I would bet you those guys share time at different positions. Let's get to our final question here on this mailbag edition. This comes from siege underscore 22 on Instagram. Who is the current 40 man player? Nobody is talking about that. You're excited about. Give me our guy, Ty Adcock. Look, he got sent down and then he had an injury in his first stint in the big leagues, but there was a lot of points in that stint. He looked really, really damn good. So that compared or that combined with the fact that he has thrown so few innings in his professional baseball career, he gets some more of a workload under him. We talked about this with him that again, the fact he has not thrown that many innings, he has so much more to learn. So if he continues to get, he continues to build up his workload and he's on the field and he's healthy this year and he's flashing the really good stuff that we've seen him flash in the big leagues and other levels of the minors. 
yeah, he could be in this big league bullpen in 24 and be really good. So I don't think a lot of people are talking about Ty Adcock right now because he wasn't on the roster most of the second half of the year. We saw some other guys. We saw Isaiah Campbell, who's now traded. We saw Barroa a little bit in very, very short stints, including at the very end of the year. We saw Trent Thornton a decent amount. So there are guys, right-handed pitchers, that are expected to be in this bullpen in 24. But I feel like Ty Adcock's a guy that's gotten forgot about simply because, okay, he had a couple bad outings, and then he got sent down, and then he got injured. He could come into spring training, look really good, and be in this bullpen as a staple in 24. You don't know who's going to be the good arm in this bullpen behind, or the good arms, plural, in this bullpen behind Brash, Munoz, Topa, the expected guys, etc. It could absolutely be Ty Adcock. So because he's a friend of the program, I'm sure we're giving him a little extra bit of a bump. But regardless, even if we had never had him on, I do think that's a guy that has really good stuff and could, and could contribute in the 2024 bullpen. My guy is not, uh, I, I kind of cheated on the, that nobody is talking about because I was, to be honest, I was scanning the 40 man roster and I'm looking and there, there's just one name that just jumps, that just jumps that guys are, people were talking about, but maybe not to the level of an actual big leaguer because he hasn't really been a big leaguer yet. And that's Perlander Baroa. We're waiting all season for Perlander to Baroa to be up with the Mariners in 2023. Well, where is he? Well, if we're talking about someone who can come into the big leagues in 2024 and make an impact, it's this guy right here. Devastating stuff. I I cannot wait to watch him. I am very much looking forward to him being out there in a Mariners uniform this season in 2024 and making an impact. Sure, people are talking about him, but if we're talking about impact of people that don't actually play on that big league roster, it's this guy. It's really hard to argue anyone but this guy. I can't wait to see him. I didn't even think that outing that warranted warranted quote unquote uh, option back to the minor leagues was even all that warranted. I thought that was so weird when they called him up for that one outing. I know he had a little bit of issues with his command, but I thought the stuff was there. He got out of a jam. And then they just sent him right back down after one day, after one outing. I thought that was so weird. And then he didn't come back till the final day of the season where he got a little bit of work in that game 162 late. He's thrown two outings in his big league career. Oh, I, I cannot wait to see Prelander Barroa in 24. Again, I think there are a lot of guys who you can lock into this bullpen already, the three righties being the key ones with Brash, Munoz, Topa. I'm sure Spire and Saucedo are going to play big roles again. I'm sure there's going to be some other guys vying for a lot of spots. I would be very surprised if Barroa is not on the opening day roster this year. I think he was right on the brink all of 2023. The stuff is there. And as long as he looks good in the spring this year, it's going to be firing on all cylinders for him. Well, unless you got anything else to add with this dog, we can uh, get to our final segment. I think that's about it. We got some good questions from people, which we appreciate. It's not just, oh, you know, your very basic questions. And it's like, well, let's try to think of something to come up with for a unique answer to a fan question. No, you guys sent some really good ones and these were fun. So thank you guys, as always, not just for listening, but for sparking some good debate, too. And we need to, I think we need to do more of these regularly because I, I, we could tell from the response we got from this the, asking for mailbag questions, like there are questions out there that people want answered. So uh, I think we need to be a little bit better about doing some mailbag episodes. So I keep an eye out for that in the future. I think this is, this is a good, uh, a good thing to do for us. So I think we, we will make it a point to try and do more of these in the future. Yeah, during the season, I think it'll be even easier because there's going to be so many questions, obviously, during the season. But 
Yeah, the offseason can be weird sometimes. You know, stories pop up and trades and free agent signings happen. And obviously, we always work to get a lot of guests on, which take on, which take up some episodes. But you're right. If we can aim for at least a once a month type thing to do a mailbag episode, I think that's good. Because one, we enjoy them. And two, it seems like you guys enjoy them. So absolutely. All right, let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. Okay, Lyle, well, j- I'm going to have to lead this off because I've been needing to get this off my mind. I was scrolling today before, before I hopped on here, and I saw this quote. The college football playoff semifinals were this weekend. Excellent games, Michigan and Washington for the national championship on Monday. Uh, Pretty cool for the Huskies. I didn't think they would do it, but they've done it. But I'm going to look over to the other side and the program that has created more false adversity than any program I've ever seen in a college football season, these Michigan Wolverines. So not only were they caught cheating and had the guy who was behind it and the booster who was caught resign, I don't know what happened to the booster, but Connor Stallions resigned uh, November November 3rd. And then he was at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, he was at the Rose weekend. Bowl, by the way, with uh, Chase, Chase Winovich, which was so funny, which you can see is just essentially a massive middle finger to the NCAA, uh, which is, again, funny because the college football playoff isn't even an NCAA-sanctioned event. Just the funniest thing ever because he's just like, nope, see ya. Anyways. So J.J. McCarthy today, uh, they were doing their uh, their teleconference for the national championship, and he essentially just admitted to all the cheating, essentially. He was like, uh, here's this quote, about 80% of teams in college football steal signs. We actually had to adapt because in 2019 and 2020, Ohio State was stealing our signs, and then he made sure to emphasize, which is legal. We had to get up to the level they were at and make it an even playing field. So not only did they make it an even playing field, Lyle, but according to a lot of the research people have done, uh, they made it an uneven playing field. They went farther in this and resulted, again, in Connor Stallions having to resign from his position at the University of Michigan. And I'm trying to think, this is the weirdest flex of all times. So he's like, oh, other teams were legally stealing our signs. So we instead turned around and started employing Connor Stallions to go illegally steal everyone else's signs. And then once Connor Stallions resigns, and I assume their sign stealing goes away with it, wouldn't you happen to know I'm checking J.G. McCarthy's box scores and the games after, and uh, they were terrible. They were terrible. Hmm. So Connor Stallions resigned on November 3rd. In the five games since then, let's read some box scores here for J.J. McCarthy. Seven for eight for 60 yards. Nothing. No touchdowns, no interceptions. 12 for 23, 141 yards, one interception against Maryland. 16 for 20 for 148 against Ohio State, one touchdown. Against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game, 22 for 30 for 147. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Then he had a pretty good game in the Rose Bowl. 221 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. But kind of funny that J.J. McCarthy's uh, box scores tanked once Connor Stallions resigned. Funny coincidence that after the video surfaced of Connor Stallions on the sideline, clearly 
with a printout of hand signals, repeating them to the defensive and offensive coordinators of Michigan. Once that goes away, things all of a sudden aren't as efficient anymore. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Hmm. Funny. It's almost like it's almost like they had some outside help. Yeah, you didn't like what McCarthy had to say today, did you? I just think it it's this adversity card that the University of Michigan has played all season is it's just the stupidest thing ever. Like you got caught. And it's like, <laughs> oh, if only the media didn't bring it up. What? It's the same thing as how the Patriots use the deflate gate thing as adversity, how the Astros use the cheat the the trash can banging as adversity. It's like, no. You're spinning fake storylines in your own head for something you did. Like it doesn't take away from the fact that also it, it like it all start, stems from the top. Like Jim Harbaugh is unlikable. Like he just mm-hmm. is. He's a goofball. He like he. I think this some of the vitriol probably comes from when the Seahawks and 49ers battled about a decade ago. By the way, a man in Jim Harbaugh who has one foot out the door, he is ready to go back to the NFL. I mean, he is not even hiding it. And the, the university will just take every arrow possible for him to make sure this happens as long as he wins them a national championship. It's the stupidest story of all time. The stupidest. Like, what other profession? It's like public information. It's like, yeah, our head coach specifically hired an agent of another sport. But it doesn't mean anything. Don't you just love these college football narratives? Sometimes they really get to NBA levels. They are because they have nothing else to talk about because there's no parody in the sport. So in summary, despite neither of us going to this school, bow down to Washington come Monday. Yeah, I'm rooting for the Huskies. Yeah, yeah, I will. I will not be rooting for Michigan. You also know Michigan fans are probably going to be absolutely insufferable if they win, too, because they 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 ran with this narrative, too. It's like everybody hates us. We're America's villain. Like, dude, you did this to yourself. And we got to pull for our guy Softy too, because I, I was I was ready to listen to Softy's post game show when Michigan was on the what twelve yard line, just just or sorry Texas was on the twelve yard line, just waiting. I was like, oh man, this might be a bad one. This this might be a bad one, and they managed to survive. So if the Huskies win, see if uh, Softy can give us five minutes to just scream at us and then then hop off. And I think that would be uh, I think that would be funny. We'll get we'll cook it into a speak your mind segment. Softy, what do you think? (laughs) I I still have to go back to listen to Softy's postgame show after the Sugar Bowl because apparently he was going nuts after the win, which you would expect. The the loss, if it had been a loss, might have been crazier, but apparently he was really going nuts after the win. I think no matter what, after the game on Monday, Softy's going to be must-listen radio. I'm going to be listening, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't wait. Okay, so my speaker mind, not quite on the level of humor is this whole J.J. McCarthy, Michigan thing. But so we talked about it a couple weeks ago when we did our career slash life update that we did uh, for what, 30 minutes or so at the end of that episode when we did it. But I mentioned in that episode that I'm going to spend a few months in New York City. And now here we are recording on January 3rd. Why are we recording on a Wednesday for a Friday episode? Well, because I'm leaving Friday morning, Thursday is going to be hectic. I'm going to have a ton of packing to do. I'm going to have a ton of stuff to get ready. I still have the last few minute errands to run. Like like Thursday is going to be really crazy in my world. And then I actually leave on Friday. So 
this is the last episode we'll do where I'm sitting with this background for a while, where this is where I've been doing most of, if not all of our episodes. But yeah, anyway, starting Friday, I'm heading out to New York. First few days, I'm staying with family, and then I'll move into New York City specifically on Tuesday. So the next podcast that comes out, I will be in New York City. I may not record it all from New York City. It may be from some of my family's house that's in the suburban counties outside the city, but I am getting ready to get on my way here. So yeah, kind of a big life update on my end. How are we feeling? What, what Are we excited? Are we nervous? It's, it's both. And that's what I've told everybody. The, the two things I've told everybody is there's absolutely mixed emotions. There's nerve and there's excitement. And a lot of that is because it is a leap of faith. And if you want to go back to listen to the episode we did a few weeks ago about the career life update stuff, I said, the reason I'm doing this, and I'll repeat it here, is because... I'm trying to find my next sports media job. And I've connected with a lot of people that are out there because a lot of sports media companies that do very similar things to the type of stuff that we do here on this podcast, between the specific podcasting, the social media content, the unique, the unique social content, et cetera, doesn't really exist in Seattle. And it's all on the, most of it is on the East Coast and a lot of it's in New York City. So that's why I'm heading out there. I do not currently, as we sit, have my next job in place and I am taking a leap of faith, which is why it's nerve wracking and it's just a big move. But at the same time, as we've talked about from the trip we all took back in October and the time we both spent there over our lifetimes, like I really like it there. It's really fun. There's a ton of stuff to do. There are people I know back there, which will be good. But yeah, it's very mixed emotions. And I think it's going to be that way until I probably get settled in for a bit. And the other thing I tell people is there's obviously no guarantee that this works. I, you know, it's, it's, it's not locked in and secure or anything by any means that I'm going to come out of this with a new job, but I just decided this might give me the best chance to find one. So for at least two to three months, I'm going to give it a shot and see how it goes. Will I stay longer than that? Hopefully if I find something again, if the two to three months um, get up and I haven't found anything. I could either stay longer if I choose to. I could come back to Seattle if I choose to and figure it out from there. It's kind of it's kind of unknown right now. But starting Friday, I'll be going. And and to answer your question that you originally asked, yeah, I'd say it's mixed emotions. But the best thing, right, to do when you get there at first, I mean, don't e- don't even give yourself a chance to be nervous. I mean, it's it's dive head in, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it is you, you everything you said you were going to do on this trip, like day one, start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, the the sooner I can start meeting with people in person or start even just seeing some friends or, or again, like finding people to connect with. Like, yeah, that's the goal. And also, as we've talked about, me going to New York does not change in any way, shape or form what's going to go on with this podcast. Like we've said, we have some very big goals for year two that we definitely plan to try and execute and, and well beyond year two as well. So that'll definitely take up some time. So that'll keep me busy, all this podcast stuff, which is good. Hopefully all the time I spend trying to meet with people and network with people will keep me busy, which will be good. I'm sure I'll have some own, some free time for you know, social life and my own routines between, you know, I don't know, going to the gym, going to the store, finding restaurants to check out, finding food spots to go to, or just kind of, you know, walking around the city or whatever. So hopefully between all those things combined, you're right that I just stay busy and don't have enough time to just sit around and be like, well, this is overwhelming. So yeah, to answer your question, yes. Are you going to become an Equinox snob? You know, I would love to. Equinox gyms are expensive, dude. Maybe one day if I ever had the money for it, yes. Because again, they're they're very nice and, and it would probably be a very, very good experience to go there. But 
as somebody who's looking for a job, I don't know if that's the best place to be spending my money right away. Again, long term, that'd be awesome. But I don't know about right away. It's cheaper than a car payment. <laughs> it is significantly. cheaper than a car payment. However, <laughs> from the very, very little I've looked up about it, because again, I, I was trying to look up, yeah, like what are some of the gyms in my area? There, like there, there is an Equinox nearby. There's a couple others nearby. But these Equinox gyms, it's like, well... It's anywhere from like two fifty to three hundred bucks a month, and that doesn't even count the initiation fee, which is like another four hundred bucks to start. So your first month of fees at that place, or something around seven hundred bucks. I was like, yeah, that may not be the best bang for my buck. I think I, I think to start, I may have to go elsewhere, and then one day, if I, I don't know, invent a, invent a flying car or become like the next Jared Carabas or somebody like that. Then then maybe then maybe I'd head my way over to Equinox. But I don't think to start, I don't think I'm going to Equinox as badly as I'd like to. Oh, I wish I could be in your shoes. I could just choose. I wish I could have some pizza. I miss it. We went to the same pizza joint every single night that we were there in October. And I got to say, I'm, I'm missing that. It, the, the, the dough quality here in the middle of nowhere, Oregon is not, it's not quite the same and it's very disappointing. Well, not every night we did go to one other pizza place based off your recommendation. Oh, you're right. Okay. So, so except for the first night. Yeah. Okay. And, and the different, and the difference is the place we went just about every single night is a place called Joe's pizza, which is, it's basically the premier pizza slice staple in new york city right i mean there's others but pretty close and it's very popular for good reason because it's really really good the other slice we tried was based off your recommendation you follow a tiktok account that does some very very unreal food reviews at these awesome places a lot of them being in new york city and you saw it and you bookmarked it saying yeah we need to go here while we're there and it's 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 not like joe's pizza pizza because what they call it is a specialty slice it's very Mm -hmm. different and it was very good, but it's not the same as your classic New York slice Joe's pizza. Wish it was open at three a.m. It would be <laughs> that would hit. <laughs> oh yeah, now Joe's yeah. pizza is open at three a.m. So yeah, that'll be good. I- but I'm a, I'm a little jealous of that of that. And and you know I, the way I think about it is uh, f- for most of our lives, for the most part, at least the last eight years, the last eight years, it's life has never really been settled that much. It's always been in constant flux. And now that I've had a job for two and a half years, being in one place like kind of makes me anxious. It does. Like I'm just not used to it. I'm like, well, okay. Like I know, I know I'm not setting setting up roots here. That that has never been in the cards, and not will not be in the cards because I have bigger things on my mind than where I am right now. However, I am where I am right now. So when I, I, I gotta say, like the little twinge of jealousy that you're gonna take this step and go. Go be go do a little bit more adventurous things to better your career. Like that's exciting. That's so exciting. And obviously it's in a place that I love visiting and love going to. And it's great for people and of really all ages, but especially if you're young and energetic and just like breathe in the energy of the people and the environment around you is it's just very intoxicating and very different from from where i am right now so i i gotta say dog it is is a credit to you that you're doing this and it's gonna be fun i like i think you're gonna have fun i think it's gonna be exciting and i think you'll you'll learn a lot because it is you'll be thrown straight into the fire 
Well, that's nice of you. Thanks, dog. Yeah, at the very least, it'll be... I will get something out of it. The hope is my next sports media job. If it's not that, I'm sure there'll be a lot I take away, whether it's people I connect with or just experiences I had or lessons I learned, et cetera. And and like transparently, this this is very out of my comfort zone to do this because I'm usually somebody who, you know, okay, it's weird. I, I, I would say I'm a person who doesn't like to get out of my comfort zone a lot. That being said, I've also never been all that afraid of living in other places because like some of my friends from here, and I'm sure some of your friends are like this too. They're very much homebodies. They grew up here. They went to school in the state of Washington. They have settled down their their roots in the state of Washington. They plan to be here long-term. They're not all that interested in picking up and going somewhere else where with me, I've spent you know, I lived in Washington, but we both went to school in Arizona. We both spent a lot of time on the East Coast in our lives. I went to Dayton for a year, et cetera. Or not a year, but six months. So yeah, I've never been that afraid of picking up and moving. That being said, I guess it's never been in a situ- situation like this where it is a total leap of faith and you're just hoping it works. But So this way, it's out of my comfort zone for sure. But I'll, I'll see in your case, I get what you're saying, though, just to add a little bit more context. But on top of all that, you're more of a simplistic person in day to day life. Mm-hmm. That that part's true. Like, I very yeah. much have my routine. There's things I like. Again, like, I get a little anxious if I get out of my normal routine. Like, I like to have things like, I don't know, like the way I go about my own daily life. I don't know set in a certain way. And yeah, when that gets thrown in, thrown for a wrench, like moving to a new place that you haven't spent extended time before. You know, that's the part that is that is a little bit different. So in that way, yeah, like that part's out of my comfort zone. But just like anything with enough time, with enough time, you'll probably just get used to it. And you're going to somewhere with significantly more distractions to disrupt that, like significantly more. You you can, in your current climate, keep your routine for the most part as much as you want. But it, but moving to New York City, like, good luck. <laughs> well, th- that's the proper send off. Well, good luck. <laughs> I hope you find your way. No, I'm I'm kidding. But um, bye, buddy. Yeah. I hope you find your dad. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but yeah, the the next time you are listening to a new podcast of ours, I probably will not yet be recording from my new location. Well, actually, part of it may be from the new location, TBD. But by the time you're listening, I will be there. And by the time next Friday's episode comes out, I will be fully ingrained in New York City, which is pretty crazy to think about. But yeah, we're just a few days away now. So in the meantime, I better get ready. So because I have a lot of stuff to do before I leave, including editing this show. Good idea. Yeah. Why don't we get to that? So on that note, that'll just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer podcast. You guys know the drill. You want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. Make sure if you do so and you're listening to download our episodes, leave us a five-star review and follow the show. Those reviews and downloads help us out a ton. So please take a few extra seconds to do that. If you're on YouTube, go like, comment, subscribe over there. Check out our full video podcast, which is over on the YouTube side. And then go follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.